Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week four had so much great football. It was amazing. Six games ended as one score game. So plenty to talk about from the special teams heroics from Wyoming and Hawaii to Boise State and Air Force winning their conference openers. And of course, we'll talk about the 25th ranked Fresno State Bulldogs. After we recap all of last week's games, we'll get you geared up for all the games in week five, which is where conference play really gets going. As always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Let's get right into it. We'll start with the closer of the two Friday games, which was Boise State, the favorite visiting Snapdragon Stadium to play San Diego State, and it was a great game from start to finish. The Aztecs scored first, going up 7-0, but did miss out on points on their first drive after a red zone fumble by Maiden. Both offense woke up in the second quarter, trading scores to a 17-17 halftime tie, including a Gen T 58-yard touchdown. San Diego State made key mistakes to start the second half, missing a field goal after a long drive and then fumbling on their first snap of the next drive, handing the Broncos seven points and a 27-17 third quarter lead. Jalen Armstead cut the lead to three with his second touchdown run of the night, but couldn't take advantage of a stop from the defense. Boise State had an 11 play play touchdown drive, including an insane third down scramble from Talon Green, where he completely reversed field and beat everyone to the first down marker at the sideline to put them up 34-24 with two minutes remaining. Clearly hobbling, Jalen Maiden led an impressive touchdown drive capped off with a Jalen Maiden scramble into the end zone to give San Diego State a chance with an onside kick. The ball kicked around for a second, but who else but Ashton Gentee came up with the ball to seal the Broncos' second win of the the year. Taylor Green had a pretty solid game. He was 12 of 22, 162 passing yards and a touchdown. He had 25 rushing yards and a touchdown as well. And of course, that all important third down conversion where he just looked like prime Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson out there. Genty had one of the best games of anyone in the conference this year. 23 carries, 205 rushing yards, two touchdowns and four catches and 49 receiving yards to go along with that. He is now leading the country in all purpose yards. Eric McAllister had another big game with five catches and 90 receiving yards and a touchdown. All of those did lead the team. On the Aztec side, Jalen Maiden had a pretty solid game, all things considered. Other than the two fumbles he had, which were certainly costly, he went 16 of 22, 241 passing yards, had a touchdown in there as well, and then he ran for 85 yards on 16 carries, and he did have a rushing touchdown at the end of the game as well. Jalen Armstead only had 35 rushing yards on 10 carries, but did have two touchdowns. True freshman three-star receiver Balin Brooks was phenomenal. He had five catches and 117 receiving yards and a touchdown. That's definitely a name to look at going forward. Another new name that had a very big day was sophomore safety Eric Butler, who had eight tackles, two and a half tackles for loss and a sack. And Noah Tumblin was very good as well with three tackles and three deflections. Next, we had App State coming into Laramie to play Wyoming, who was a two and a half point favorite. There's some kind of magic in Laramie this year. Every game is legally required to have a bonkers finish. App State struck first with two first quarter field goals before an Andrew Peasley nine yard touchdown run gave Wyoming a one point lead. The Mountaineers knocked another field goal through the uprights to take a 9 7 lead and got another field goal as time expired thanks to a 25 yard punt 
punt from the Cowboys. The third quarter was for punts only as both teams combined for seven of them in that period. Finally, something happened and it was a pick six from Tyreek Funderburk who put App State up 19 to seven. On the Cowboys' next play though, Harrison Whaley found a crease and was off to the races for a 75-yard score to cut the lead to five with 11 minutes left. The Mountaineers would then go on an 18-play, nine-and-a-half-minute drive, which got stopped and forced yet another field goal try. This one was different, though, with star edge rusher Devon Harris breaking through the line to block the 47-yard attempt, which hit the ground and was recovered by corner Ja'Cory Hawkins, who ran it all the way back for the first block field goal return touchdown in Wyoming history, and they got the two-point as well to go up 22-19. to With a minute 45 remaining, Joey Aguilar drove his team into field goal range and got a pass interference call in the end zone to get them into the red zone with 12 seconds left. With one shot left at the win instead of the tie, the Mountaineers ran one more play. Aguilar drops back. The Cowboys blitz eight. Aguilar just chucks it up as he gets drilled, and with barely any steam on it, Rook Brown dives in to secure the game-winning interception. Despite punting eight times and barely getting over 200 total yards, the Cowboys improved to 3-1 and one for the second straight year. The passing game wasn't much of a factor at all, with Andrew Peasley going 5-15 of 15 for 31 passing yards and an interception. He did run for a touchdown, though. Harrison Whaley had another great game, 17 carries, 156 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Easton Gibbs had 11 tackles. Devon Harris had 9 tackles, a sack, and the blocked field goal, which won the game for them. Rook Brown had seven tackles and that interception in the fourth quarter that sealed it. And Ja'Cory Hawkins, five tackles, two deflections, and the field goal block recovery for the touchdown. Next, we had Colorado State visiting Murfreesboro to take on the CUSA's Middle Tennessee State, who was a two-point favorite. This cross-country group of five matchup lived up to the hype, to say the least. Both teams scored a touchdown and field goal in the first quarter, with the Rams pulling out a fake field goal to get Dolan Holker into the end zone. Blue Raiders QB Nick Vatiato scooted in for a four-yard touchdown right before halftime. Down seven, the Rams air attack started to get going with Braden Fowler, Nicolosi finding Torrey Horton to tie the game in the third quarter. They continued to roll with Torrey Horton getting another touchdown catch to put Colorado State up 24-17 with 11 minutes to play. Middle Tennessee State tried to get a spark from a double reverse on their next drive, but Mohamed Kamara, who missed the first half from a targeting call against Colorado, blew up the ball carrier and easily scooped up the fumble for the Rams' second touchdown in 15 seconds. The Blue Raiders didn't go away after that. They cut the lead to eight after a touchdown with six and a half minutes left, but the extra point was blocked. The Blue Raiders got two final chances at Hail Marys, but they both hit the turf, giving Jay Norvell and the Rams their first win of the season. Braden Fowler Nicolosi is the real deal. He went 30 of 43, 321 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He's the first Rams quarterback to throw for back-to-back 320-yard passing games since Patrick O'Brien in 2019. Dolan Holker had another incredible game with 11 catches, 112 yards, and that touchdown on the fake field goal. Torrey Horton was phenomenal again. He had 10 catches, 99 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Justice Ross Simmons had six catches and 84 receiving yards as well. Chase Wilson, who's had a 
really big role for them as a starting linebacker. Had a really good game with 11 tackles, half of a tackle for loss, and a deflection. Newark Gatkoff had a phenomenal game, a breakout for the redshirt freshman. He had eight tackles, three tackle for losses, a sack, and a deflection. And Muhammad Kamara, in just one half of work, had two sacks, a forced fumble, and the scoop and score. Next up, we had the best team in Virginia in James Madison coming to play Utah State in Logan. The Aggies came out flatter than day-old soda going down 24-0 at the start of the second quarter. They punted on their first four possessions and gave up points to James Madison on all but one of their first half drives. Of all things, a fake field goal touchdown run from kicker Elliot Nimrod would spark Utah State's offense, but they were still down 38-17 at the half. The coin flipped to start the second half as while the Dukes would go scoreless their next five drives, the Aggies found Terrell Vaughn for two touchdowns in the third quarter and tied the game at 38 with a 76-yard score from McKay Helstead to Micah Davis. The Dukes' struggles continued with them finishing the game with two fumbles and a punt, but they connected one more time on a 74-yard touchdown. Jordan McLeod's fourth touchdown of the day. The game was officially over after Utah State's final two drives ended in Hillstead getting picked off. Blake Anderson's squad shows some impressive resolve getting back into this game, but ultimately dropped to one and three, the second straight year that's happened. McKay Hillstead had another very good game. He went 25 of 47, 399 passing yards, four touchdowns, including a 63-yarder and a 76-yarder, three interceptions, and was also sacked five times, though. It's not perfect, but considering he's a freshman quarterback, this is a very encouraging sight for the Aggies going forward. Devon Booth had 103 rushing yards on 21 carries. Terrell Vaughn had a phenomenal game with 10 catches, 124 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Ike Larson was great with 10 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. Sophomore Devin Dye had a breakout game with nine tackles, half a tackle for loss, an interception, and a deflection. And Anthony Switzer had five tackles, an interception, and a fumble recovery. Next, we have the other game that went down on Friday, which was Air Force going into San Jose to take on Chevin Cordiero and San Jose State. The first half was an absolute shootout, which I'm not sure anyone expected with the Spartans taking a 20-17 lead into halftime thanks to an opening drive touchdown run from Shevin and two touchdown runs from Kyrie Robinson. His first one was ridiculous. He took a third and two handoff to the house after four straight jukes, making defenders look silly at each turn. The second half was all Air Force, though. They opened up the half with a 15-play, nine-minute drive that ended with John Lee Eldridge the third, punching it in from five yards out to go up four points. San Jose State goes three and out, and again, the Falcons engineered a long touchdown drive, finished off by Emmanuel Michelle's third touchdown run of the night, making it back-to-back three touchdown games for the senior fullback. Down by 11, the Spartans had to go for it on their own 40-yard line and turn the ball over. Their defense got it to fourth and four, but were victimized by one of the best highlights we've seen this year. John Lee Eldridge III gets the pitch, dodges a defender, breaks a tackle near the sideline, keeps his balance and stays in bounds, and accelerates past the first down marker, then hurdles a man, sticks the landing, and he's off to the races. He stiff arms a defender for a solid 10 more yards, spins away from him, and crosses the goal line to put the Falcons up by 18 with 8 minutes to play. A Chevin Cordiero interception shortly after would end any hopes of a comeback. Troy Calhoun's team looks better every week, while Brent Brennan and the Spartans fall to 1-4, and four, but you know who else? 
else started one and four? Fresno State last year, and we all know how that worked out. Air Force finished with 400 rushing yards, which was 5.5 yards per carry. They got two thirds of their third downs and were also three of three on fourth down. Had a whopping 39 minutes time of possession. Emmanuel Michelle had another incredible game: 33 carries, 148 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. Like we said, his second straight game with three scores. It seems like he's the true bell cow of this team going forward. John Lee Eldridge the third finally had a really good game. He had 10 carries, 102 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Captain Trey Taylor also had eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and that interception in the fourth quarter, which officially put the game away. Chevin Cordiero was okay. He went 24 of 35, 239 yards and an interception, and he also ran for 20 yards and a touchdown. Kyrie Robinson was pretty good. Seven carries, 82 rushing yards, and those two touchdowns. Juco junior Taniela Latu had a very good game for the Spartans. 13 tackles and one and a half TFLs. Trey Jenkins and Trey Smith both had 13 tackles apiece as well. Next up, we had New Mexico visiting Amherst to play UMass. Very entertaining game here with the Lobos taking a 14-0 lead after Caleb Medford and Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt found the end zone. Both teams traded touchdowns for the remainder of the first half, settling at 28-14. But the second half was a different story. New Mexico punted on all four of their drives while the Minutemen, given new life after inserting true freshman Ahmad Haston into the game, cut it to one possession with two field goals before hitting Anthony Simpson for a 65-yard score with 45 seconds left. They converted on the all-important two-point attempt on a lob to the corner for tight end Gino Campiotti to send the game to overtime. UMass kicked a field goal to start overtime, but the Lobos offense finally woke up, marching to the end zone and ending the game with a touchdown run from Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt, his second of the day. The Lobos improved to 2-2, two and two, making it three straight years they've started the season with that record. Dylan Hopkins played fine. He was 9 of 17, 192 yards and a touchdown. He also rushed for a touchdown and had a fumble as well. Sherrod White had his best game of the year so far with 69 rushing yards and a touchdown. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt had his two touchdowns. Caleb Medford had three catches, 82 receiving yards and a touchdown and all of those were on the very first drive of the game. And Tavion Combs had a phenomenal game with 14 tackles and a tackle for loss. Next up, we had Ken Wilson and the Wolfpack visiting Texas State. For 30 minutes, this game was all Nevada. They hit a field goal on their opening drive, and after a long opening drive from Texas State, it ended with true freshman K.K. Meyer grabbing an interception and taking it back 98 yards to the house. The Wolfpack defense forced a three and out, and then they drove down the field and scored again, this time with Sean Dollars fumbling near the goal line before left guard Zach Welch fell on it for the touchdown from 17-point underdogs to up 17-0. That score held until halftime, but a different Bobcat offense came out for the second half. They scored five touchdowns in their next six drives, including two long ones from Ismael Mahdi and a 77-yard bomb from TJ Finley. Texas State had the lead by the end of the third quarter, and they had doubled Nevada's points before they responded with a too-little-too-late touchdown run from A.J. Bianco. In the midst of the Bobcats offensive explosion, Nevada's second half output featured back-to-back punts, back-to-back lost fumbles, and a turnover on downs. In a game where Ken Wilson and his guys had a chance to get in the win column, they headed home the same way they came in, lost. Brendan Lewis played a solid game of 21 of 32, 151 passing yards, an interception, and 89 rushing yards. K.K. Meyer, who was an unranked recruit when he committed to Nevada, had that one tackle 
Kittle and 98-yard pick six, which I'm sure he will never forget. Also want to shout out Juco Jr., Marcel Walker-Burgess, who had five tackles, two TFLs, and a sack. Next up, we had Hawaii playing host to New Mexico State. It was a rough first half for the Rainbow Warriors. The offense looked out of sync, and the defense had no real answer for Diego Pavia, who threw two touchdowns to give the Aggies a 17-3 lead. Hawaii did get a chance at a field goal before halftime, but Matthew Shipley pulled it. I don't know what Timmy Chang said in the locker room during halftime, but whatever it was, it worked. They opened the third quarter with a long touchdown drive that Braden Shager punched in from four yards out. They would tie the game at 17 after a short touchdown throw to Kowali Nishigaya. After balling throughout the first half, the Aggies offense had nothing to finish the game, punting twice and missing a field goal. With three minutes to go, Shager calmly drove his team into position to win it, and after a defensive pass interference call got them inside the Aggies' 10-yard line, Matthew Shipley knocked in the chip shot from 24 yards out to secure Hawaii's first 2-3 and three start since 2021. Braden Shager played pretty solid. He had two fumbles, which definitely hurt, but 26 of 38, 245 yards, and a touchdown, and a rushing touchdown is not too bad. Pofele Ashlock had seven catches for 77 receiving yards. Peter Manuma and Isaiah Tufaga both led the team with six tackles apiece, and Jojo Forrest had a nice day as well with four tackles, half a TFL, and two deflections. Our second to last game to go over was UNLV visiting El Paso to take on UTEP. Another incredible group of five showdown here. UNLV got on the board first with Jaden Thomas running one in from 12 yards out, but the Miners would keep it close, tying the game at 14 near the end of the second quarter. The Rebels got the lead back with another rushing score and turned a UTEP interception into another touchdown with Jaden Thomas's third touchdown of the day, putting them up 28-14 at the half. The Miners kept it close for the rest of the game, possessing the ball while down one score on two different occasions, but they simply had no answer for UNLV's rushing attack. Thomas tied a school record with his fourth score of the day at the start of the fourth quarter, and Courtney Reese put it away for good with a 32-yard run with eight minutes to play. Barry Odom leads the Rebels to their second straight 3-1 and start. Jaden Maiava got the start with Doug Brumfield still not completely healthy. He was pretty solid, 15 of 27, 190 passing yards and 28 rushing yards. Jaden Jet Thomas, 13 carries, 100 rushing yards, and four touchdowns, tying the school record first player to do that since Tim Cornette in 2013. Jackson Turner had a very big game. He had seven tackles, half a TFL, and two interceptions. Cameron Oliver had two tackles, two deflections, and an interception. And Jare Williams continued his fantastic season with three tackles, two TFLs, and a sack. Our final game to go over for week four was Kent State visiting Fresno State, and this game was expected to be a blowout, and for the most part, it was. The Bulldogs were up 22-7 to after one quarter, and the Golden Flashes wouldn't score again after their second quarter field goal. Elijah Gilliam's third touchdown of the first half gave Fresno State a 36-10 halftime lead. The Bulldogs cruised to another two touchdowns in the third quarter to make it a 50-10 ball game, and they added one more field goal in the fourth for good measure. Powered by this performance and their two Power 5 wins, the Bulldogs earned the number 25 ranking in this week's AP poll, the first Mountain West team to appear there this year. Mikey Keene played great. He went 24 of 31, 325 passing yards, and three touchdowns. Malik Sherrod had a pretty solid day with 71 rushing yards and three catches as well. Elijah Gilliam didn't put up a ton of yards, but he did have two rushing touchdowns and a 59-yard touchdown reception. Jalen Moss, the three-star true freshman, had 
a breakout game with seven catches, 120 receiving yards, and a touchdown. And then he did have a fumble, but he made up for it with a fumble recovery for a touchdown later in the game. Eric Brooks, of course, made an impact with four catches, 79 receiving yards, and a touchdown. With week four out of the way, let's get into week five, starting with Boise State visiting Memphis, who is three and one and a three and a half point favorite. Memphis is one of the best teams in the entirety of the group of five. They're three and one and only lost to Missouri, who's now ranked. They've got two stars offensively with three-year starter quarterback Seth Hannigan and Old Dominion transfer running back Blake Watson, who is second in the American in rush yards and first in yards from scrimmage. The Tigers' defense is overall solid, allowing just south of 19 points per game, but they do struggle stopping the run, which is a must if you're going to beat Boise State. Look out for their two breakout sophomores, linebacker Chandler Martin and cornerback Diego Brumfield. For the Broncos to win this, they'll need to force some turnovers since Hannigan can be a bit trigger happy. He'll need to feed Genty. Obviously, he's arguably been the best player in the conference so far. Most importantly, I know we keep saying this, but Taylor Green needs his arm to be a factor. He's capable of making all the throws he needs to. He just hasn't yet. If Boise State becomes one-dimensional offensively, it could be tough sledding for them to get on the scoreboard. My prediction, I'm still weary about the Broncos as far as their conference championship hopes are concerned, but I think I've bought into their offense. Talon is slowly improving. The offensive line has been above average, and Ashton Genty has been unstoppable. With Memphis already struggling against the run, I think Genty has a huge day, and although the game is close, Seth Hannigan throws two costly interceptions that end up being the difference. My predicted final, Boise State 35, Memphis 31. Next up, we got the newly ranked number 25 Fresno State Bulldogs taking on the still winless Nevada Wolfpack. The opposite ends of the conference are on display here. The Bulldogs are the first Mountain West team to crack the top 25, while Nevada blew a 17-0 halftime lead on their way to their 14th straight loss. For Nevada to have any chance, they cannot turn the ball over at all, and they need to force some fumbles. They've been uncannily good at that, forcing six so far this year and recovering five of them. Fresno State just has to get the ball to Eric Brooks whenever possible, keep Mikey Keene upright, and stop the run consistently enough to force the Wolfpack to use the pass more than they would like. My prediction, the Bulldogs have a combined score of 82-10 to against the last two opponents. This team has hit their stride on both sides of the ball, and based off of the last two quarters we saw from Nevada, I have no reason to believe they can slow the Jeff Tedford train down. My prediction, Fresno State 45, Nevada 13. Next up, we have Utah State visiting stores to play UConn while the Aggies season got off to a rough start. UConn's had an even rougher go of it after Jim Mora shocked the college football world by leading the Huskies to their first bowl game appearance in six years in his first year there. Expectations were high for this year. They haven't reached them starting 0-4 and not scoring more than 17 points. Granted, all of their losses are to teams above 500, but they still haven't looked too good. They have an abhorred negative five turnover ratio and have had problems moving the ball through the air and stopping the run. Utah State will look to exploit their holes in the run game and create turnovers to stymie whatever offensive momentum the Huskies are able to create. My prediction, all three of Utah State's losses are against teams that have received top 25 votes, and it's not like they got blown out in any of those games. I have confidence in the Aggies. They're getting better offensively every week, especially after making the switch to McKay Hillstead at QB, and while the defense has struggled the last two weeks, they still create lots of turnovers, which UConn has a tendency to hand out like flyers. I'm rolling with Blake Anderson and Utah State. 
State. My prediction, Utah State 38, UConn 20. Next up, we have the start of Mountain West play for Hawaii and UNLV. Both teams are coming off of big wins with Hawaii's being considerably more stressful than UNLV's. Braden Shager is in a solid groove running the run and shoot, and though they have almost no run game to speak of, it works in their favor with the Rebels being much worse at stopping the pass than the run. The defense rebounded from a rough showing against Oregon, pitching a second half shutout against New Mexico State. For the Rainbow Warriors to win, they'll need to find Ashlock and McBride early and often and protect Braden Shager so he isn't forced to make bad decisions. The Rebels are running the ball super well, and they may have to to win if Doug Brumfield isn't ready to go for this game, which is a coin flip as it is. Jaden Jet Thomas is tied for the conference lead in touchdown runs after his record tying game in El Paso, so he'll certainly be a factor in this one. UNLV has to get the run game going and must get to Braden Shager. If they can, they'll get some takeaways, and if that happens, Hawaii could be in trouble. My prediction, as impressed as I've been with UNLV, Hawaii's improvement has also been a pleasant surprise with how well Timmy Chang's squad matches up with their pass-happy offense salivating at the Rebels' 115th ranked pass defense. I expect a close game, one that goes back and forth, but it ends with Jaden Maiava staying poised on a game-winning drive that ends the game with a Jose Pisano 40-yard field goal as time expires. Rainbow Warriors come up just short. My prediction, UNLV 37, Hawaii 34. Next up, we have New Mexico coming to Laramie to play Wyoming. Both teams coming off a roller coaster win, so expect a game that's close. New Mexico has found a nice balance offensively and a defense that's only given up 19.3 points per game since they were blown out by Texas A&M. The Cowboys won thanks to a clutch blocked field goal return and another benchmark defensive performance. They'll look to slow down the Lobos' multiple quality backs and receivers, while UNM will try to force Wyoming's hand into throwing the ball potentially with an early lead. My prediction, like I said, I think this will be a low scoring close game. Both offenses struggle to get going with no one reaching double digits until well into the second half. Eventually, Wyoming forces a key turnover to turn the tides. Harrison Whaley puts the game away in the final minutes with a house call from 50 yards out as the Cowboys improve to 4-1. My prediction, Wyoming 24, New Mexico 14. Our penultimate game has Colorado State playing host to FCS Utah Tech. The Trailblazers have been slow out of the gate after a 4-7 campaign. They've started 1-3 with their losses being by an average of 39 points. They did put up 50 points in their win against Northern Arizona, but they came back down to earth for their 59-14 loss to Missouri State. Utah Tech will focus on throwing the ball to their top three receivers, who all have at least 200 yards and a touchdown this season, as well as trying to slow down the Rams' own passing attack. For Colorado State, they'll need to put the FCS underdogs away fast, as they'll only get tougher to dispatch if you let them hang around. They'll also need the defense to force some turnovers for it to be smooth sailing. My prediction, I think Colorado State rolls here. The air raid is working better than it ever has before under Braden Fowler Nicolosi, and he's been amazing at getting the ball into the hands of Torrey Horton and Dolan Hulker, who are both NFL-level talents. I think that trend continues, and the defense doesn't let the Trailblazers get into any kind of rhythm, and the Rams stroll through this one on their way to a 500 start. My prediction, Colorado State 55, Utah Tech 7. And our final game to go over is San Diego State visiting Colorado Springs to play undefeated Air Force. Our final game is another example of teams going in opposite directions. San Diego State has lost three straight games, though they fought hard in their loss to Boise State. Air Force is 4-0 after a dominant second half put down San Jose State and seem to have found a bell cow in Emmanuel 
Michelle. The Aztecs need to get their run game going. It's literally been weeks since it's been better than their passing game, which is not a recipe for success when you're San Diego State. They cannot lose their identity and try to throw the ball against this elite Falcons defense. Air Force just needs to hit a few home run plays like they did against the Spartans, force Jalen Maiden to keep moving and hope he makes some mistakes, and as always, dominate time of possession. My prediction, as much as I'd like to pick the upset here, there's no logical reason to think the Aztecs can do anything offensively against one of the best defenses in the nation. I just don't see it, especially if their run game doesn't get going. I think Air Force takes a lead early and never lets it go with another big day from Emmanuel Michelle. My prediction, Air Force 28, San Diego State 9. Final order of business, let's present our week four hikes peak weekly MVP, which will go to Ashton Genty for his performance of 205 rushing yards on 23 carries and two touchdowns. And he also had four catches for 49 receiving yards. Come on down, Ashton. For one thing, Boise State would not have won that game without his performance to say the least. He's the first Broncos since Alexander Madison in 2017 to rush for 200 yards in a game. And he's now leading the country in yards from scrimmage and is tied for the lead in points. He's definitely the early leader for Offensive Player of the Year. Congrats to you, Ashton. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what went down in week five, get you ready for week six, which since it's a bit lighter on the amount of games, I'll have an extra segment in the episode. So be on the lookout for that. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that. So any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. I hope everyone is enjoying the podcast as much as I am. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.